My name is Tom Abbott from the University of Warwick. Hamlet is one of the greatest figures of Shakespearean drama. The play addresses great themes of power, love, family and revenge, with the prince at the heart of the narrative. The role of Hamlet has been played by some of the greatest actors in history, but the role has also been taken by a large number of women. Tony Howard has recently written about the women who have played Hamlet. Tony, Hamlet is a role usually associated with male actors. Why have so many women been attracted to the role? Well, first of all, you're quite right. There have been many women who play the role, hundreds, literally hundreds. And that isn't that known, partly because state histories have tended to prioritise conventional, if you like, orthodox um, interpretations of staging. But if you'd asked that question in the 19th century, no one would have been very surprised because um, all over Europe and America and Australia, women played Hamlet and they were a great attraction. So you, you ask why. Partly it's simply a question of opportunity and power. If you look at Shakespeare, you've got someone who wrote for an all-male theatre in the Renaissance. There were no actresses of any kind, and therefore, quite understandably, he would tend to have a cast of, say, 12 men and two women. Well, that was fine for his theatre. The problem comes when you move into modern times, and you have a theatre which is given much of its life and energy by actresses. So, inevitably, actresses began to say, well, why are we playing only Ophelia and Gertrude? Why are we only the virgin or the whore or the girl or the mother? And why are we being shouted at all the time by Hamlet? Well, let's do something about that. And in the 18th century, actresses began to take on that part. So uh, a, a phrase that a lot of actresses have used to me is, I wanted to use those words. I wanted to speak that language. They just wanted to experience it and to feel liberated by doing it. Now, once you say that, however it becomes interesting that playing the part is therefore political. And in the 19th century and the 20th, many of the women who played these part, this part um, were not just good or ambitious or frustrated, they were also politically engaged. In America especially, a lot of the actors who played Hamlet were writers, and more important, they were political activists, suffragettes, and in the anti-slavery movement. So for them... Standing up for your rights and for other people's rights and taking on the role of the prince were all totally tied together. The other point is that people have always said there's something feminine, inverted commas, about Hamlet. And that was very important in the 19th century. If you look at the pictures of Hamlet that in many ways have shaped our image of Hamlet, you're talking about Delacroix, um, the elegant young man by the grave, dressed in black, big cloak, um, aquiline brows brooding features. Well, Delacroix used women as his model. And that was because he was fascinated by the fact that if Hamlet's a kind of a universal ideal figure, then surely he must be an embodiment of male and female qualities. Sometimes he made him look quite masculine with a beard, sometimes deeply feminine with a skirt. So since the 19th century, people have thought there's something deeply feminine about this Shakespearean character. Hamlet feels it too. Hamlet goes on about it. Um, he says, why do I talk so much? Um, that's to be like a drab, like a whore. Why do I have this sense of fate? That's to be like a woman with a woman's fears. He's very, very conscious of the feminine in himself. But this is the point. He hates it. Um, he loathes himself because of his female qualities, his effeminate qualities. He wants to be masculine. And that drama, that clash of psychological types, is something which actors and actresses have picked up ever since. It's interesting you raise the issue of empowerment because I suppose one of the, the critical elements of the play is 
just how much um, Hamlet loses his sense of control. To what extent is it playing the role of Hamlet that's empowering or something inherent in the character of Hamlet that's empowering? Mm. Well, if you if you compare Hamlet not just with, say, Gertrude or Ophelia, but with almost any other female character in drama, um, or in life, if it comes to that, in public life, um, the fact that he speaks so much, that he's in direct access with his feelings through the medium of language. Um, that is an extraordinarily empowering thing. Okay, um, But you're quite right. If you play that part, then a lot of interesting questions arise. For instance, you're playing madness. One of the most interesting women who played the part in the 19th century, a woman called Anna Dickinson, who was a, a suffragette and a campaigner in America, um, who spoke for women's rights. Um, when she played the part, it was assumed that, in fact, she was going crazy. Um, that to step out of her normal life and go on a stage and dress up as a man um, indicated that she was insane. And, in fact, um, she was confined uh, to an asylum a little while after playing the part. So that's one area where playing Hamlet is quite dangerous. Um, also, actresses find something very, very challenging, which is that it's easy to play the prince and to fight the duel. But what about your scenes with Gertrude and Ophelia, where you're yelling at them and shouting at them and you're obsessed with them sexually. How does that work? Well, what happens is that um, sometimes in performance you can forget who's playing the part. You just become accustomed to the fact that that's the performer. But as soon as a female Hamlet meets other actresses, then there's a huge inverted commas over the play, an alienation effect, and it becomes a study of what gender really is. Sometimes the actress playing Hamlet, like um, Charlotte Cushman in the 19th century, a great feminist, um, stresses Hamlet's respect for his mother. At other times, the effect is that um, Hamlet is someone who's stepped out of the gender role and is challenging and criticising these women for accepting a very secondary identity. Mm. Any of those things can happen. So what's the relationship between Hamlet and the feminist movement, whether that be... In the the nineteenth century, or sort of later in the in the twentieth twenty first century, is there a kind of close relationship between the two? Yeah, it's very close. Take the nineteenth century. Um, as I said, a lot of the women who chose to stand up in public were actresses. There was a very strong feeling that um, actresses were doing something quite controversial and maybe quite shameful by parading in public. But as a result, they they were the only women really um, who always were used to making a statement. And therefore, a lot of actresses who played Hamlet um, made it quite clear that they were playing the part as suffragettes, as women demanding women's rights. When you get to the suffrage movement at the end of the 19th century and voting for women actually comes in, then the female Hamlet disappears because you don't go for symbols anymore. Um, you don't go for fantasies or gestures. Um, people are writing plays about real women's rights Women are working in the, um, in, in the new shops and the factories. Women are going onto the streets. Though, in fact, quite a few um, leading suffragettes w did play Hamlet too. It's very different now um, with modern feminism from the 70s onwards. In England and America especially, um, putting Shakespeare into the area where women can access it and control it has been very important. And as before, Hamlet's been the most symbolic role of all, because Hamlet is the most complete person that Shakespeare writes. So there's something very, very necessary about being able to speak these plays with women's voice. And is that is part of that because 
women's roles in Shakespeare tend to be fairly secondary and that if you're looking towards Shakespearean theatre as a political statement, women have to take on the male roles because there isn't the capacity within the female roles to deliver the kind of messages that they're trying to get across. Absolutely. It's a, it's a great tragedy in a sense that Shakespeare exists for actresses because it's not even only in a Shakespearean company where the actresses don't have very much to do if you go with conventional gender casting. Um, Shakespeare, if you like, kind of legitimised the whole idea that most plays, most drama, most films would focus on male experience, male behaviour. Women would be there as mums or daughters or the girlfriend. Um, but on the whole, take any play at random off the shelf and you, you'll probably find there are anything between um, four and 20 male roles and probably no more than two or four um, female roles because women have traditionally been cast as types. So inevitably people are going to rebel against that. And Hamlet took on a broader political role for women in the 20th century, particularly, I think you say in the book, in uh, communist Russia and Eastern Europe. What was distinctive about that period? That's right. That's that's really very interesting. Um, I first found out about the phenomenon of women playing Hamlet in Poland in uh, the late 1980s when I saw a production in Krakow at the Starry Theatre directed by the great film director Andrzej Wajda. And he cast an actress... Um, called Teresa Budzisz-Krzyżanowska, who's one of the most brilliant performers um, in Eastern Europe, as Hamlet. And I saw this, and what happened was that you saw her coming in as herself, as the actress, into her dressing room, taking off her coat. Underneath, she's wearing Hamlet's doublet. She makes herself up as Hamlet and prepares to go into the play. And all the way through the drama, um, you keep on coming back into this dressing room. So what she did was she said, I'm not pretending to be Hamlet. I'm not passing myself off as Hamlet. What I'm doing is I'm showing you, helping you to share in this extraordinary experience that I'm subjecting myself to, which is to try and transform myself completely. So um, I'm not Hamlet. I'm not a man, but I'm going to try and do that. Theatre might be able to be a place where the impossible can happen. Well, that's what Hamlet has to do. Hamlet is a passive intellectual who's got to save the country. So very, very strongly, um, she became, in Poland, um, a figure of national liberation. Um, Hamlet is a play about tyranny, about authoritarian governments, and about the individual conscience. And for a lot of people working politically, there's been something sharper and uh, more piercing about making that a female conscience. Mm -hmm. But I'd say that it wasn't a feminist production, this. Um, but it was a political production, and it was based on the assumption that theatre is a mirror, it reflects life as it is, and shows you the tyranny around you, but it's also a place where you make things new, and anything can be done. So it was a very, very powerful um, production. But when I pursued it, I discovered that there'd been a lot of similar work. In Spain, um, under Franco, there was a a production um, which, um, on the first night almost ended with riot um, between left-wingers and right-wingers in the audience. The moment Hamlet came on and they said, hello, my, um, my nephew, they started yelling and shrieking and screaming because it was saying, we're told in this fascist state that women are here to be mothers and take us to church and look after the babies. And here is someone coming on saying he's the Prince of Denmark. So that kind of um, out-front denial of the status quo was also very important. 
How have audiences reacted to female Hamlets over the age? Has there been a shift in acceptance between, I suppose, the 19th century and the modern day? Absolutely. We don't know that much about audiences. Um, we know quite a lot about critics, obviously. Um, what happened in the middle of the 19th century was they became very popular, female Hamlets. There's a theatre, the Britannia, in the East End in the middle of the 1860s, um, where Hamlet was performed in a double bill with a lady playing the part, um, in a double bill with a farce. It was so successful, it broke box office uh, records. When the farce was repeated with uh, instead performing Siamese twins, it was a flop. So we know not only that it was a popular entertainment, but that the female Hamlet was particularly exciting for people. They wanted to come for it. But the critics, the bourgeois critics, were very, very hostile to female Hamlets. And increasingly, at the end of the 19th century, a campaign was built up against them. At the same time, people like Sarah Bernhardt, the greatest actress perhaps of all time, many people would have said, um, played the part in Paris in 1899, um, brought it to London, took it to America. It was even filmed. It's the first Shakespearean film, a small clip of the, of the duel scene with, with Sarah Bernhardt. And she caused such a sensation that apart from it being a triumph, um, other leading actresses around Europe and America competed by doing Hamlet too. However, once that happened and the female Hamlet had escaped from the margins, if you like, had escaped from the popular theatres, had escaped from um, benefit night single shows, had escaped from the gold fields of America, where it was very popular. Once it took the, the main stages, um, bourgeois critics began to uh, attack the idea as unnatural. Not only culturally unnatural or artistically, but also morally, sexually. What, what, what are people doing coming to see these freaks? So in the early 20th century, you get the invention, if you like, of what we now think of as stage history, performance history. People began to write books about theatre, um, histories of Shakespearean staging. And at that point, um, the female Hamlet was stamped on. It was dismissed, literally. It was attacked. It was called um, uh, an absurdity and um, morally dubious. And from that point, from the, 18, from the 1920s onwards, it's disappeared. It's only in recent years, with this very, very strong feminist drive to repossess the whole Shakespearean canon, to take a hold of culture, it's only now um, that this kind of cross-casting has become successful and popular again. So who have been the great female Hamlets? Sarah Bernhardt. Sarah Bernhardt played Hamlet as a boy and caused a lot of controversy because she said that um, he's not... Um, a lingering, flaccid, helpless intellectual. He's passionate. He, he has a drive to revenge his father. Um, he's witty. He's strong. People said that's actually silly. It's not Hamlet at all. Or they said that's an extraordinary performance. So there was a, a big debate about that, whether um, a great female Hamlet can be great, even if it doesn't really bear much resemblance to what most people think the play is about. But still, it was astonishing. Charlotte Cushman, in the early 19th century, um, the leading American actress of the 19th century, who was famous for her Juliet, sorry, for her Ro who was famous for her Romeo, which she played with her sister who played Juliet. Charlotte um, Cushman um, played Hamlet and performed in front of um, the Congress in Washington, um, was hugely praised. And she tried to make it a kind of a feminist text where Hamlet would be supportive of the women in the play. Um, who wouldn't yell at them and beat them and make it a, uh, 
an episode of misogyny. Really try to make it a play about femininity and the value of femininity in both women and men. Teresa Bajitska-Zanowska, who I said I saw, was astonishing, one of the best performances I've ever seen in my life. Francis de la Tour, the most famous modern English Hamlet, great. But the best of all, the best of all, luckily, unlike all the others I've mentioned, you can see. The great tragedy about theatre, of course, is that um, it's all gone. They're all dead. Uh, or if they're not dead, then the performance is gone. But Asta Nielsen um, isn't much known today, but in the beginning of the 20th century, about 1910 to 1920, she was the most famous actress in the world. She and Chaplin were the two great early silent film stars. Chaplin we still know because it's comedy, um, but she has faded almost completely of people's knowledge. But she was a great, great star. And in 1920, she produced her own version of Hamlet, which you can see, um, you can get videos or you can go to archives and see it, and it's sometimes performed. And her version is fascinating because her idea was that Hamlet is a woman. And that's why people want to play him. He's not a man, he's a woman. The situation is that when his father is killed in battle, at the very same moment, Hamlet is born. What a horrible shock. Female. This means that the royal family will lose their hold on the crown. And so uh, Gertrude and Claudius conspire to pretend it's a boy. And they bring Hamlet up as a boy in order that he shall be king. Okay. There is a problem in that actually his father isn't killed and comes back. <laughs> um, so then the plot can proceed as we know it. Well, what she did, Aston Nielsen, was to make Hamlet funny, satirical, emotional romantic, tragic and melodramatic all at the same time. It's an astonishing performance, using no language, no spoken language, only using gesture in the face. And she turned it into a story about the aftermath of the First World War, and particularly about the explosion of strange gender identities in Weimar Germany. So in this version, Hamlet is in love with Horatio, and Horatio is in love with Ophelia, and Horatio doesn't know that Hamlet's a girl, but he does have quite strong feelings for her, which confuse him. Aston Nielsen makes Hamlet someone who, because of this extraordinary double identity, is able to deconstruct other people's lives for them. And through watching her, you see how phony most lives are, and how male and female are only constructions. It's an amazing film, and you really, um, if you have the chance, anybody who hears this ought to try and track it down. Are there any other examples in Shakespeare of characters that generate this kind of interest? Or is Hamlet fairly unique amongst the sort of Shakespearean canon? I think unique. I think unique. Um, obviously, there are great roles that people want to play. And there are extraordinary roles that people want to see. So, for instance, Cleopatra is an astonishing, complex, contradictory person. But it's quite interesting that until very recently, until very recently, the assumption was that actually you couldn't really do Cleopatra justice on stage. People like um, Edith Evans, Peggy Ashcroft were all said to have not done it properly, not been good enough. The part was too diverse, which is quite strange. Really, what I think is the case is that um, all other Shakespearean roles, apart from perhaps Cleopatra, are studies of a type. There's the ambitious man, there's the jealous man, there's the passionate woman, there's the witty woman, there's the fat man, 
Um, and the challenge for any actor or actress playing that part is to try and become that person. The thing about Hamlet is, Hamlet is you. Hamlet isn't defined by what he has to do. In fact, he has no identity, no role. Um, he should be king, but he isn't. He should be at university, but he isn't. He should be married to Ophelia, but he can't be. So he's someone with no identity, but immense feelings and extraordinary ideas. And therefore, anybody who reads that part, whether it's you in the study or you on stage, anybody who plays that part, is colliding and merging with all those words. And that's why Hamlet is such a, a unique, really, phenomenon. So there aren't examples of, say, uh, a, a history of a female Macbeth or a female Othello in the same kind of context that there is this relationship with Hamlet? It's been done. It's been done. Um, Romeo was very popular in the 19th century as an actress's part because the idea was that um, there's something unmanly about all that pathetic emotion. And uh, Victorian critics tended to say, well, since we know what a manly man is like, and it's quite clear that there's something very unmanly about uh, Romeo, women should try. And dozens of women did play the part, apparently successfully, in, the t in those terms. Um, and there have always been, um, and in recent years there have been a lot of them, performances where there's a kind of experiment or a political gesture. Um, someone uh, casts a Shakespeare play with a woman in the central role or a whole female cast. And they're always interesting. They always raise questions, but they've never caught the imagination in the same way. Do you think the female Hamlets have informed the male actors who've then gone on to take on the role? They have. It's true. Um, the best example is an actor called Edwin Booth, whose brother assassinated um, President Lincoln, um, who was fascinated by this. And he said he'd always tried to stress the feminine side of the character. Interestingly... Victorian critics said that he did that very well um, and perhaps as a result of that he was the perfect Hamlet for the 19th century but that given his softer nature he was obviously not equipped to play other Shakespearean parts no one wanted to see Edwin Booth playing uh, Macbeth or uh, Othello or Coriolanus because it was felt he wasn't manly enough in his case, he was a heterosexual guy. Um, but actually, um, a lot of this has to do with notions of different kinds of homosexuality and how you appreciate it. In the 1920s, you didn't get women playing Hamlet very much at all in England and America. What you did get, again, it's after the First World War, which is such a huge shock to people's psyche. What you did get was, for the first time, you got um, gay actors known to be gay, at least in, in, in their, their, their circles, um, playing Hamlet and very, very much exploring the feminine, the emotional side. And has the play changed, do you think, through all the sort of various interpretations, particularly in terms you know, the female Hamlet, has that changed our understanding of the play? Do you think the understanding that we had at the start of the 19th century is different to the one that we now have of, of the role? Critics in the theatre and in the study tended to focus on Hamlet pure and simple, on the character. It was seen as a kind of a monologue, which happened to have some action attached to it. That meant in the theatre, if you saw it, well, um, you could go to see Hamlet at the Britannia Theatre in a double bill, because they left out most of it. 
the idea was that Hamlet was a part that should be played either by the most interesting young talent in your company or by the star, who was probably 50. But it was a monologue. And if you look at romantic critics, they also were fascinated by that, that personality, that mind, that language. What has happened in recent years is there's been a much broader notion that the play is a collective, collaborative entity. That is partly because we have permanent companies, we have brilliant actors trained very well, and we have directors who want to give a large view. But interestingly, at the same time, the last 20 years, that the female Hamlet's come back, um, there's also been a fascination with who Ophelia and Gertrude are, what the other women's um, experiences can be. So that a modern production may well make Gertrude the central character politically. That happened when Cheek by Jail came to Warwick. Um, she was a kind of Elizabeth I character. She wasn't just a secondary character who happened to have um, betrayed the memory of her husband. She was the power. And similarly, Ophelia has moved from being someone who's very pretty and sad to being the other protagonist who goes through all the pressures and all the agonies that Hamlet does. Unfortunately, she dies off stage, uh, whereas he dies in public. But there is this sense that by tapping into the contradictions in Hamlet, you're releasing the contradictions everywhere else. Are there examples of male Ophelias? Yes. I haven't actually seen a male Ophelia, which is quite interesting. The fact that you put that question is quite interesting because when Sarah Bernhardt said she was going to play Hamlet, Punch, the, the serial magazine, did a cartoon showing her playing Hamlet and Henry Irving playing Ophelia. The picture of Sarah Bernhard as Hamlet was quite nice, quite dashing, whereas Henry Irving looked very, very silly with a long wig and a long dress. And that's because there's a different attitude to what cross-dressing means for women to what it means for men. And what it essentially is, is that um, for women, it is about power and accessing power. For men, there's a kind of a step down. Maybe you step down deliberately because you're parodying women, or maybe you step down accidentally and you look like a fool. Because in Shakespeare's day, that wasn't the case. In Shakespeare's day, um, all the evidence is that male cross-dressing was regarded as a great um, skill with perhaps some worrying overtones of a, of, a, of a sexual nature. Now with this rich history of, of women Hamlet... Does a woman playing Hamlet still have the power and authority to carry those strong messages, or is it now something that's, that's lost its impact through familiarity? They'll always be there. That The point is that society is always like Elsinore. Um, that culture in Shakespeare's play always seems to be a reflection of aspects of our own society, whether we're living in Soviet Russia or we're living in Turkey or we're living in England now or America, um, there is something about the way the play is organised that makes it uh, an infallible reflection of our own vices, our own repressions. That means that it's always going to work as a political play. But equally, our attitudes to gender are always shifting and changing too. They're contradictory and what we think about gender this year is not going to be what we thought last year. In the 90s, in the 90s, um, there was a huge explosion of people saying they were about to play Hamlet. Madonna said she was going to play Hamlet in a movie with Sandra Bernhardt. Sinead O'Connor was going to appear in a cross-dressed Hamlet as a movie. 
Jerry Halliwell of the Spice Girls said that um, the reason she left the Spice Girls was because she had Hamlet's complex. Um, what happened in the mid-90s was there was a kind of an outrageous jumping on Hamlet as a figure of threat and menace. Um, wild girls, if you like, um, postmodernists, anybody who felt we want to destabilise things and cause a ruckus said, we're going to play Hamlet. Now, at the moment, we're a bit more staid than that. We feel worried by other things. But I'd be very surprised if there isn't going to be um, another performance in this tradition in a, in a year's time. And it's going to say something, which may not even understand it to start with. I, I heard about, in 2001, just before 9-11, a performance in a university in Bangladesh. Um, it was an anthology, and I read this news report which said, after a reading of the Holy Quran the audience were treated to Shakespeare's famous soliloquy, to be or not to be. However, the performer caused a surprise. It was a woman dressed in black with a black headscarf. She spoke the words, to be or not to be, and the audience were mesmerised. The female Hamlet is one of the things that culturally exist that help to destabilise us, um, to trouble the waters, um, to challenge a lot of expectations that we have about what's natural, not just about art, but about identity. And therefore, having spent a lot of time looking into it and discovering how many scores and hundreds of times this thing has happened, um, I'm pretty sure it's going to continue to be important. Tony, thank you very much. Thank you.